All right, so the scripture that we have been kind of basing this whole entire series off is 1 John 5, 4. Can anyone quote it off the top of your head to me? That's because you're reading it because it's behind me. It says here that you see every child of God overcomes the world. Everyone say overcomes. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. See, the reality is this, is that the fact that God gives us a tool of faith to overcome means that there's something to overcome. It actually means that if God has to give us this thing called faith, the reality is, is that we live in a world and in our lives of things that we have to overcome. Not, not choose to, but have to. If we're going to succeed in life and go anywhere in our walk with God, we have to overcome some things, yes? If you're going to do well as a parent raising your children, there are some things you have to overcome. I had to overcome the fact that when my daughter was three years of age, she told me that she hated me because I wouldn't let her have McDonald's. I had to overcome my insecurity. I'll tell you, it took me about three or four days, didn't it, darling, to get over the fact that my three-year-old said that she hated me for not taking her to McDonald's. Now, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, whatever. It just doesn't bother me. Yeah? And so there's always things that we have to overcome in life. And, and the Bible says this. This is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So in other words, what he's saying here is that the world is going to try and overcome you. So you need to overcome it. And when it says the world, it's not talking about people. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's a spirit or a system of this world that is trying to overcome us. And the Bible says, hey, good news, I've given you this victorious faith that will allow you or give you the ability to triumph over the principalities and powers, triumph over the system of the world, triumph over the attitudes and the thinking and the things that will drag you away from God. I've given you the ability to overcome those things. In fact, in Romans 12, if you know the scriptures well enough, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word literally means this, this word not to conform, literally in the text in the Greek means stop being molded by the fashions of this age. In other words, don't let the beliefs and the values of this world system or the spirit of this world mold you and shape you. In Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah, um, the Bible says that God is the potter and we are the clay and it, and it gives you the symbol that God puts us on the wheel and he molds us and he shapes us into what it is that he's created us to do. And what we understand from, from Romans 12 is this, is that the world tries to mold and shape us. That the God of this world, little g God, the devil is trying to mold and shape you and get you to think how he wants you to think, behave how he wants you to behave, believe what he wants you to believe. And so there's this battle that is going on. And the Bible says that I have given you this faith, victorious faith that triumphs over the world's attitudes, thinking, beliefs, so that you can succeed in life. Paul wrote that the devil is the God of this world, little g. 
God of this world. And the system of this world is trying to shape and mold us to think, act in certain ways, and it wants you to have its desires. So to overcome, we learned last week, means to subdue or to conquer. And so what he is saying in the scripture is that he has given us the ability to subdue and conquer the way that the world thinks, the way that the world behaves, not people, but the spirit of this world, which means the world is trying to conquer us, but God has given us the ability to conquer it. You see, the world or the spirit of this age promises to service us and please us, but in reality, its desire is to enslave us. You know, what you'll learn that the spirit of this age would say, hey, it's all good to go and get drunk whenever you feel like it. But the reality is the biggest danger to our society is actually alcoholism. More damage happens in our world because of alcoholism than anything else. Domestic violence, murder, abuse, all those things come out of drunkenness. I thought I would have got somebody agreeing with that in this room. And we worry about all these other things, but the reality is what the world tends to do because we can't control something, we're going to legalize it and try and control it that way. But alcoholism promises all sorts of stuff, but actually just creates chaos and havoc. In fact, I know some people in in my own world that have said to me, I would rather cannabis was legalized and alcohol was criminalized because of the damage it has caused to their family. It promises the world, it promises you a good time, but the reality is there's a whole lot of things, drunk driving, deaths, all sorts of stuff that has been created by alcohol. Now, I'm not saying that alcohol, you can't have a beer or a glass of wine. I'm not saying that. The Bible doesn't say that at all, but it says this, don't be drunk. And what happens is the world tells you it's okay. It's all good. It's your birthday. It's your 21st. You should go and get absolutely smashed. Well, I'm telling you, I, in my own life as a teenager, I made more mistakes in my drunkenness than I've ever made in my soberness. The world promises all sorts of stuff. Drugs will make you happy, all sorts of things. But in reality is what happens is you then become enslaved to those things. And what starts off as, I'll just try this at a party, leads to an addiction which causes you to live on this. You know, we, we know the cycle. That's why I can't believe that we're looking to legalize cannabis in this nation. Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, we are to overcome with our faith. In other words, what's our faith? It's our believing and our speaking, that the way we overcome the system or the spirit of this world and its values and its beliefs and its attitudes is through our believing and our speaking. We get it out there. We start to speak into our worlds what we want to see happen not let the world system push its beliefs onto us. In in Proverbs 4.23, it says this, it says, and you've heard the scripture so many times if you've been in church long enough, but it says this, it says, guard your heart with all diligence. Guard your heart with all diligence. What has guarding your heart got to do with faith? Well, because we read last week in Matthew 11, 
It says this, that Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And actually the literal translation is, have God's faith. For assuredly I say to you, whatever you say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Why? Because if you say it, it's because you're believing it. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you have received them and you will have them. So the Bible is saying here that if faith is believing and speaking, he is saying here and Mark, Jesus is saying, if you don't doubt in your heart, In other words, if you've guarded your heart and the beliefs that you believe are guarded in your heart and you don't have doubts, then when you speak what you believe, you shall have what you believe. Now, it's not a blab it and grab it kind of scenario or confess it and possess it. This is about aligning yourself with what God says. You can't just go around saying, I believe I'm going to have a Ferrari and you're going to get one. It's about aligning ourselves with God's word, and our heart has to be guarded. Why? Because Romans 10.10 says, for with the heart one believes. Everything about your walk with him, everything about your relationship with God starts in the heart. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the Bible is really trying to show us, God is trying to say to us, that even when we give our lives to Christ, it starts in our heart first. We believe in our hearts that He's Savior. We confess with our mouths that He's Savior because we believe, so therefore we speak, and then we are saved. So the heart is where it all begins. And Proverbs, the rest of Proverbs 23 goes this way. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the boundaries or the controlling factors of your life. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of your heart comes the boundaries or the controlling factors of your life. God is trying to put things into our heart. God is trying to speak things into our heart that will set boundaries and controlling factors in our lives, not to control us and ruin us, but to help us live a great life, to help us be able to get in line with what he's saying. And what the Scripture's trying to tell us here is that if we don't guard our heart, then the world, the spirit of this age, will try to put things into your heart to change your boundaries and give you different controlling factors. Are, Are you with me today? So the world will come and it will tell you this is how you should believe and this is what you should think and this should be your attitude. And what is it doing? It's trying to get into your heart so that it can set the boundaries of what you will or won't do and the controlling factors of your world. And that's why Jesus says, guard your heart, protect it, look after it. Here's the interesting thing. He doesn't say he'll guard your heart. He says you guard your heart. And we live in a world where nobody wants to take responsibility for anything that they ever do. It's not my fault, it's my parents' fault. It's not my fault, it's my teacher's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my next-door neighbor's fault. It's the cat across the road's fault. If you've been a parent long enough, you realize that nothing is ever your child's fault. And so we live in a world that just wants to deflect and go, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. But Jesus said, guard your, you guard your heart. 
I read this by Dr. Caroline Leaf this week, and I thought it was such a great quote. She said, you're not responsible for the trauma that happened to you, but you are responsible for the healing you need. And so a lot of things happen to us in life that are unfair, that are unjust, that are not right, abuse, all sorts of things that happen that aren't right. And that's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to get healed of that. Because you have to guard your heart. Because out of your heart comes the boundaries and the controlling factors of your life. Have you ever heard somebody ever say, you know, I, I just can't believe this is happening to me? I, I, never, I never ever thought something like this would happen to me. I can't believe it. I can't believe that this has happened. You ever had anybody ever say that to you? Can I suggest to you that sometimes the things that we can't believe that are happening to us that are happening to us is because maybe somewhere along the line we stop guarding our heart and we allowed some beliefs come in that weren't God's beliefs. We allowed the words that that teacher said to us or that that parent said to us or that friend said to us or somebody said to us to get into our heart and we didn't guard it. And so now there's a belief in our heart about who I am and what I'm capable of and that becomes the controlling factor in our worlds and it starts to set the course of our lives and you turn around and say, I can't believe that this happened to me, but maybe the reason why it's happening to you is because you stopped guarding your heart. You stopped aligning yourself with what he says. So if you have a problem looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at, or maybe you used to do one or two beers, but now you're doing 10 to 12 beers, the issue is somewhere along the line, you believe the promise of what those things will bring you about realizing the desire that those things have to control your life, to set the boundaries of your life. And now you've come into bondage of the boundaries and the controlling factor in your life because you failed to guard your heart. So what we need to do and what I need to do is we've got to get God's word in our heart because when his word is in our heart, then it becomes the boundary. It becomes the controlling factor of my life. I guard my heart by making sure that what goes into it is his word and not the world's worries. Come on. Start guarding. Start believing and speaking over your life what God says about you and then all of a sudden the right boundaries and the right controlling factors start directing your life. It says guard your heart with all diligence. That word diligence literally means this. It's a, it's a military term, man the post. In other words, stand guard. It's about manning the post. It's about, it's about not moving. You know, I... I I was in London a number of years ago, and those guys with the big fluffy hats on their heads, they, they just don't move. And you've seen videos eh, of people going, Ooh, their faces, trying to get a reaction out of them, yeah? Just, if I was one of the guards, I'd just go, <laughs> anyway, that's why I'm not one of them. But they don't move. They stand in guard. 
No matter what happens, no matter what people throw at them, no matter what people do, they don't get distracted. They're standing guards. It's guard your heart with all diligence. In other words, man the post. Don't ever, don't ever knock off. Don't ever fall asleep. Don't ever just get a little bit lax about it. Don't ever get... I know this week, as I've gone through this and put this message together, God's speaking to me. I know that there are areas in my heart that I've got a little bit slack about, you know? It's like, you know, I'm at the gym now, and I'm doing the gym three times a week and all that sort of stuff, and, and uh, I don't want to skype too much, but I just thought I'd put it out there that I did lift at 160 kgs this week, but I'm just, just putting that out there, <laughs> not meaning to blow my own trumpet. Um, but, you know, the thing is, is this, is that if I come home from the gym and I eat potato chips, which is God's heavenly food, especially those snicker ching, ching is it snicker chingy? Oh, they're the, if you've not had snicker chingy chips, you don't know what you were doing with your world. They are the best thing ever. But if I come home and I eat that, and I eat a whole lot of rubbish, the gym is absolutely a pointless exercise, yeah. And what I've noticed in my own world, if I'm honest with myself, is when I started off, I was sticking to eating well, and then as the weeks had gone on, a bag of chips here, a bag of chips there, peanut slab over there, has sneaked back into. You know, it's, it's like if you don't stand guard, if you don't, if you don't constantly be on guard, things start to slip back into your world that you tried to get rid of, yes? Yeah? And so this is what it's talking about. Guard your heart with all diligence. Stand guard. Constantly be on guard. Don't let things slip. There's a great uh, scripture in Ephesians which kind of rolls in with this in regards to kind of having a military theme about how we're meant to protect ourselves it's in Ephesians 6, and if you've heard it before, it's about the armor of God, yeah? But it starts off by saying this, finally, in verse 10, finally. In other words, I've said all of that to say this. Finally, my brethren or my brothers, or he's speaking to the church, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. That word be strong means this. It means to not be easily affected or upset. In other words, don't be easy for the devil to influence. In other words, don't let things get in your heart easily. Offense is one of the things that we have to learn to make sure that we don't let it get easily in our hearts. Yeah? Because offense, undealt with, leads to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. And then all of a sudden, we have all sorts of problems in our world. Easily upset. You get easily upset, then your emotions start dictating to you. You start believing that everybody hates you. I don't know how many people have had come into my office and say things like, everybody hates me, nobody loves me. Does your mom hate you? No. Does your dad hate you? No. Does your wife hate you? It's not that everybody hates you at all. It's just that your emotions have come out of control and you're believing everything that your emotions are telling you and your emotions are forcing you into a reaction rather than a response. And what I've learned over the years, as my emotions start to boil up on the inside of me, I have two, two options. I can either react to it or I can respond to it. 
If I react to it, I'm going to go, yeah, everybody hates me. If I'm going to respond to it, I'm going to go, actually, not everybody hates me. And I'm going to start to speak to that because it comes out of my believing and my speaking. It says to to not be easily affected or upset. The other thing that, that be strong literally means is to be intellectually powerful. And it's not talking about IQ here. Because I know some people that are highly intellectual and incredibly life stupid. You, you know the ones. Yeah. They, they, they can do mathematical formulas, but they can't even boil an egg. It's not talking about IQ intelligence. It's talking about emotional intelligence more than anything else. It's talking about your mind be renewed by the Word of God. It's about not having a weak mind, but having a strong mind. It also means this, to, to be able to speak vigorously and clearly. In other words, that, that whole scripture there says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord, is really saying, hey, be strong in the Lord. Don't be easily upset. Have a strong mind. Don't be weak in your thinking. And don't be afraid to speak vigorously and clearly about what God says about you. That's the starting point of getting into the armor of God. And then it goes on and it says this, that, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And then it goes, therefore, because of all this, therefore, because we battle not against people, but against a spirit of this age, a spirit of this world. Therefore, because we battle against all of that, the response is this, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the day of evil and having done all to stand. Verse 16, above all, take the shield of faith. What's faith? You're believing and you're speaking and the helmet of salvation, which is about your thinking. And so he's saying here that when you put on the whole armor of God, because you have to put it on, because we're fighting against these principalities and powers, the spirit of this age, that your faith shield, your believing and your speaking is the protection. It's the only part of the armor that is out in front of you to protect you from the wiles of the devil. It's your believing and your speaking. And once you start believing and speaking and putting your shield up, next minute comes the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Why? Because it's in your heart and you're not affected by what the world says and believes in the system of this world, but your belief, the Word of God that you put in your heart not only comes out of your mouth as a shield, but also as a weapon to strike down all the things that it's saying to you that you don't need to believe. And it all starts in the heart. In the original text, the word take, where it says, therefore take, the word take is a military term. It's a military command to be obeyed once by all. It's basically this. You need to obey this because lives are at stake. That's virtually what the command is. It's an order given to military. And, and here's the thing. When an order is given to military, it's not assumed that it will be obeyed. It's expected. 
to be obeyed. You know, a few years ago, I was over in America, and um, I was in San Diego, and I got asked if I wanted to go out, I had a free day, if I wanted to go out on the boat and go fishing. And I said, why not? San Diego is a beautiful place. I'll go fishing. And as I get onto the boat with the pastor, there's like three other guys on the boat with us, and I'm introducing myself to them, da-da-da, and we're coming out of the harbour, going out into the ocean, and I, I just asked one of them, I said, hey, so what, what do you do for a living? You know, that's what you usually ask people, why? And um, he had this strange kind of like beeper thing on his pocket, and uh, I said, what do you do for a living? He goes, oh, I'm, I'm a Navy SEAL. I said, oh, cool. Um, you look fantastic. I really like you. You're you're a beautiful man, please don't kill me. <laughs> and I said to him, so that thing, it's, oh, that's my buzzer. Like if that goes, I, I've got I've to go you know, immediately. Like as soon as it goes, I'm, I've got to get to the base as fast as possible. And I said to him, well, what, if, what if we're out in the middle of the ocean? And he goes, well, if we're out in the middle of the ocean, then we just turn the boat around and we drive back. And I said, and what if I decided that I wanted to stay fishing and I wasn't going to let you drive back? He says, well, then I'd take you out. I'd turn the boat around and drive back. And I said, well, what if I pulled the keys out and threw them over the side? He goes, then I'll dive into the water and I'll swim back because my order is to get back to the base because lives are at risk. That's the same order that it's saying here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Ah, but I'm, I'm fishing. Take up. But no, take up. It's standing orders. You do what you're commanded to do until you are relieved of duty. The Navy SEAL said, I, don't, I will get back. I don't know, I don't care how I get back, but I will get back because my command is to get back. And here's the thing, when you understand this in a military term, the commander doesn't come and check to make sure the soldier is doing what he was commanded to do. The commander expects them to do it. He doesn't come and check to make sure they're standing on guard. He expects them to stand on guard. God has given us here a standing order to put on the full armor of God. And none of us have been relieved of duty. We're all commanded to put on the whole armor of God and to be clear about our believing and our speaking. To lift up the shield of faith. To guard our hearts. It goes on in verse 18 of Ephesians 6, and it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Being watchful means to be attentive to spiritual things, to keep an eye out, to make sure that we're looking for spiritual things, for the principalities and the powers and the spirit of this age. When we 
come into prayer, what he is saying is this, is that we need to get into the mindset of guarding our hearts and walking by faith and being attentive to spiritual things, to seeing what is going on, to understanding what is happening. What spiritual things is he saying that we need to be attentive to? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For these things which are seen are temporary. In other words, they will come and they will go. But the things which are not seen are eternal. And so what he is saying is that in your believing and your speaking, in your walking by faith and not by sight, keep your eyes on what is unseen. Speak and believe and speak to the unseen. Not the seen, but the unseen. Be attentive to your eternity. Not your here and now. Keep looking, keep working. In Ephesians 6.18, that word persevere means to be continually insisting on something. When it says to persevere in supplication of all saints, it means this, to, to constantly, continually assist on something. The, the only way that I can kind of explain this to you is kids are geniuses at this. Yeah? Can I have McDonald's tonight? 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 Please, can I have McDonald's tonight? Oh, I'll clean my room. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do the other thing. Give me McDonald's. No. Yeah, please, Daddy. I'll fall to the ground, but I might not get back up again. They insistent. They just don't quit. They just keep coming at you, hoping to break you down, to get you to the point of going, fine, will you shut up if I get you McDonald's? This is what he's saying here, that that perseverance is to consistently, continually be going in your speaking and your believing and in your prayer and you don't stop. You keep hammering and hammering and hammering away. You keep whacking against that thing that's in front of you. And if you've got a kid that is like that, don't break it in them, shape it in them. Because one day in their walk with God and in things they face in this world, what you consider to be a pain right now will be an incredible strength to them if we can shape it right. See, my job is not to break my kids' personalities, not to break their stuff, but to shape it so that it benefits them and what's ahead. You have to teach them how to channel that and not break it because there will come a time in their lives where they will need it. We need to in life to, and in our ability to walk by faith, we need this ability to just grind things out, to just not quit, to continue in our speaking and our believing. We need to continue speaking and believing, believing and speaking over our lives. And we just keep going. We don't quit. We don't hold back. We man our posts. We stand our ground. Remember, you have all the faith you need for every situation you face. You don't need more faith. God's given you all the faith that you need. It's about standing the ground. It's about guarding our heart. We're just going to keep on activating that faith nonstop. 
just got to keep on activating it. Keep on insisting. Don't let the world, the system of this world, start to take control of your heart. Because out of your heart, out of this, whatever you put in, whatever you allow in, will set the boundaries and the controlling factors of your world. And I don't know about you, but I want the Word of God to set the boundary and the controlling factor of my world. Why? Because in Ephesians it says this, that my God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think of according to His power that's at work in me. I want that to be the Word that sets the boundaries of my life. Because you know what that means? It means whatever I can think of, whatever I can imagine that God can do, He can do so much more, which means that my life becomes limitless. It becomes bigger than I ever thought it would be. But if you let the belief of this world come in that says that you're nothing, you're insignificant, you're just a cluster of cells that happen to grow inside your mother's womb, you're just this, you're just that, then friend, you'll never ever be able to step into an Ephesians moment of my God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could have asked, think, or imagined according to His power that's at work in me, because His power is limitless. His power never stops. His power conquers over everything, and that power that He put in me is called victorious faith that overcomes the world. It overcomes all the thinking that doesn't align with His Word, and, and if there's a challenge for you and I today that I feel like God is saying to me, and I know it's saying to you, is that it's time to take our heart's back. It's time to take our hearts back. You know, yesterday for me was a fairly emotional day because it was the eighth year anniversary of my brother passing away. And I, I thought it was okay building up to tomorrow, yesterday. I thought it was all right. But to be honest with you, my heart, I didn't guard it very well as I got closer to that occasion. And I started letting some thoughts and some stuff come in. I got a little bit mopey and a little bit grumpy and a little bit all those things. Started taking it out on Trinity, if I'm honest with you. And it was almost like, what are you doing? You're allowing, you're allowing that to take over your heart. I felt like God say to me, take your heart back. Take your heart back. Yes, my brother passed away, but he's in heaven. He's in a good place. He doesn't have to pay a mortgage anymore. You know what I'm saying? We let things seep in. We let things get in here. And before we know it, we've, we've just taken a little nap. We've stopped guarding. And all of a sudden, and I just felt like God say this morning again during the worship, just like, you need to take your heart back. And it's not God taking your heart back because the Bible says, guard your heart. It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to take your heart back. Are you with me today? 